Good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you happen to be listening to this, my friends. I can pretty much guarantee it's not morning, if you're anything like me. But welcome to the latest edition of Borderline. I am podcasting's Danny Buckler, welcoming you to this latest episode. Because I'm back, I've slept, I've rested, the jet lag is pretty much conquered, and I'm back onto my usual schedule of waking up at the quack of noon and getting straight into the day by slurping coffee and spending three hours doing yoga and Tai Chi before I start hate-scrolling through Twitter. A cheeky coffee sip. Will he let it leave it in? Will he let it run? You're going to have to find out by tuning in. So, how you been? How's your week? This is a bit of a sad week, isn't it? For uh, for people who are into meatloaf, which I was. I was a massive meatloaf fan. Meatloaf, the the... the to call him a singer is to do him a disservice. The actor, the creator, the the living art form that his meatloaf has ceased this week. Not a day ago, two days as I record this. That appearance appears no more. He has passed. And um, yeah, a showbiz loss for anyone. But <laughs> no, big loss. Big loss for... Uh, I say big loss. I didn't know him, obviously. I've not lost a friend, but he is one of the defining artists of my life. In that he's, I, if I, if you go through whose music have I listened to the most, he's, it's him, it's him. Before you get into the film scores and a bit of Tony Christie, it's Meatloaf, and he's been the guy I've listened to my whole life. You know, since I was a kid. The first time I heard "Bat Out of Hell" was in our college. Uh, I went to college in Brooklands in Weybridge by mistake. And, um, oh, I didn't do well there at all. Did not do well at college. I wasn't college's man. I shouldn't have gone. I should have gone, but I should have gone to a college. That, see, I thought I'd signed up for the performing arts cruise, my friends, and I thought we were going to be doing that, you know, sort of musical theatre, learning how to sing, learning how to act, learning how to perform. But, you know, circumstances are circumstances. You have no control. So we ended up with um, lecturers that were best described as um, bulging-eyed Marxists who had an agenda and uh, and taught us thus. So whereas Woking College was doing, you know, Sweet sweet Charlotte, whatever it's called, you know, and, and my brother went there, got to play the Sammy Davis Jr. part. And <laughs> they were doing like singing and dancing and it was all, we were doing Brecht. We were in like black body stockings and bare feet wandering around doing these really heavy plays, you know, the accidental death of an anarchist, guys. And uh, yeah, really, really worthy work, really worthy. And uh, not what I signed up for. I wanted to be Nathan Lane. And that wasn't happening there. But one of the many things that that college gave me was uh, an introduction to meatloaf via the jukebox in the sort of student room. When, I, when you could smoke indoors. Oh, the youth of today will never know that pleasure of being in a smoke-filled student rectory. <laughs> with a pool table with bits missing in the middle of it. And a jukebox that you put coins in. And then you could play Bat Out of Hell all day long. And I did. I loved it so much. But the real album, I mean, everyone's obviously, a lot of people talk about Bat Out of Hell. But the real album for me was Bat Out of Hell 2. Because that was a that was my age when I was coming into romance for the first time. And the song, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Oh, that became an anthem to Buckles. I loved it so much and I was in love at the time when I heard it. So it kind of, you know, new love as well. Beautiful love, first love and the happiest two weeks of my life. And <laughs> she was incredible, though. 
that song came out at the same time. So I'd be sort of, you know, listening to that song and thinking about her and it made massive connections in my heart. <sighs> what a melodramatic song that is, though. I will do Oh, and what is it he won't do for love? I, don't, I never got that either. What, well, what is it that he won't do for love? Have you tried listening to the song? Because it's pretty much pointed out in the final line. I know the territory I've been around. It'll all turn to dust and we'll all fall down. And sooner or later, you'll be screwing around. I won't do that. And there's your answer. Pretty definitive. There is your answer. He won't screw around. He will do anything for love, but he won't screw around. She literally asks him, oh, you'll be screwing around. And he replies, just done 15 minutes, love. I don't know if you've heard the song, but just in case you missed it. I won't do that. And couldn't he drag that out live? Couldn't he drag that out live? Jesus. That that moment in the live show when she sings that. Sooner or later you'll be screwing around. If you saw him live, it was a good five minutes of him looking at her. <laughs> looking at the audience. All in silence. The bands all stop looking at the audience. Looking at his feet. Putting his hands through his hair. Looking to heaven. Looking back at her, turning, walking slowly across the stage up to her. All eyes captured. And then when he finally decides to, I won't. And he dragged that out. To, I won't do that. It's in the song. But that was a big song. And I saw him live, didn't I? Oh, dig. So. Uh, at the time, also at the time of this album coming out, I, my best friend in the world at that time was a gentleman. Any magicians listening to this will know who I'm talking about, called Anthony Owen. Uh, we were very close for three or four years before, and then we sort of drifted apart as friends often do when one of them becomes successful. But there was three or four years when we were magic kids. We were like magic teenagers. We would go to all the conventions together. We would share hotel rooms. We started a little magic fanzine called The Dungeon, a constant source of embarrassment to me. The dungeon's going to get its own episode, I reckon, because, oh, I did not have embarrassed myself during that period. Climaxing in my review of Roger Crosswaite's book. We won't go into that now, but that was a dumbass move. Thought I was clever, didn't I? Thought I was Sadowitz. Anyway, not to worry. I'm not, and no one is. And we will all be thankful for that. So... We were hanging out, going to the conventions, doing the magic thing, you know, like magic geeks turning up at this, these conventions. Oh, we're going to meet the famous magicians and we're going to be like that one day. That'll be us doing lectures. And that album would come out and he just got his first car. I don't, and I, had, I got the album for my birthday on a C90. Now, if you're familiar with the album Bat Out of Hell 2, it's, it opens with the aforementioned I Would Do Anything For Love. But it also opens with a very stuttering guitar solo, like... <laughs> I mean, it's a weird opening to a track. And I swore to God, when it, when it happened, when I heard it for the first time, I thought my tape player was chewing my C90. I thought that's gone to tits. Look, I put it in for the first play. It's up inside, pressing stop. No, taking it out. What's, this, what's the crack here? It's not unwound. 
putting it back in again. Anyway, that was our album of choice for the drive up to Wolverhampton. For the Wolverhampton Day of Magic. All the way there, singing that at the top of our lungs, driving along. Those that knew Anthony in later life as the composed, serene producer of many TV shows. He went on to be Darren Brown's producer of his and some other, other things. Um, including the TV shows that I did. Another source of great embarrassment to me. Not for their content, for the way I handled it afterwards. But, yeah, so, we're driving up to, to uh, the Wolverhampton, Bad Out of Hell 2, same sort of thing. Did you, when you heard it for the first time, did you think it was chewing your seat? I did, I did, I took it out, I screamed. Yay, Meatloafer's Andy Kaufman, that was. That was Meatloaf doing Andy Cal. I swear to God, I reckon him and Jim Steimer are in the studio thinking a lot of people are going to think this is chewing up their tapes. <laughs> Let's stick it in anyway. I hope that's the case. <laughs> hey, Andy, did you hear about this one? Meatloaf with Bad Out of Hell too. So it was like, it came like our soundtrack and then going to Ron's Day as well. Another big magic convention. Sally, that no longer happens. Yeah, going there and sort of that again. Bat Out of Hell Two was the Ron's Day album that year. You know, there's a song about Out of Hell Two, um, "Life Is a Lemon," and I want my money back. Love, I want my money back. Life is a lemon. Life is a lemon. Because we were like cool and edgy, like fifteen year olds. We changed the lyrics to uh, "Ron's is a lemon." We want our money back. Ron's is a lemon. No reason for that. That was the level of comedy at that time. Just being able to fit in a random event into a song. And that was like the cutting edge of uh, our comedic output. Thank God no internet then. Can you imagine if that was captured? Would have been the end of my career, such as it was. Anyway. And then we got tickets, didn't we? I forget who got them. I'm not sure if Anthony got them or Mark Paul got them. Who was also someone that we all, all hung around together at the time. Uh, but anyway, me, Anthony Owen, Mark Paul, we ended up going to see me. I know it wasn't me. It was one of them two had the tickets and I can't remember which one it was. It wasn't me because um, I had the poor condition and they didn't. So they got on these tickets to see Meatloaf live and we were off. The three of us were going. And oh, the excitement. Wembley Arena for the first time to see a, the only time, in fact, to see a rock concert. I've only been to Wembley Arena to see one other thing. The Dog Whisperer sees in Milan. And that was a very different experience. You know, it doesn't really compare going to see a rock concert versus going to see a camp bloke training dogs. Well, all the housewives in the audience assume he's going to marry them. <laughs> You've never seen more women in an audience all looking for a husband's surrogate in your entire life. But that wasn't Meatloaf. Meatloaf, it was a, an audience of old rockers and young rockers and people that are into Meatloaf. And it was phenomenal. But this was the best thing we got. We walked in there. You see the size of the place. We got the front row. Didn't we? The front row, my friends. Right, breathing down the neck of it. Getting sprayed with meatloaf sweat. He was that close. You could literally touch him if you wanted to. You could reach out and... And, so, and a kid did, I remember. He did one song. Heaven can wait. Oh, heaven can wait. When he sat on the edge of the stage. And a kid in the front row literally leaned over the safety bar and reached out. And she could touch her, touched his toe. And he wagged it finger, his finger at her and did a little naughty off mic, but gave her a smile. And security came down and beat the shit out of her. No, they didn't. <laughs> We've been fine. They did come down and go back off the talent. But, oh, I was, but right in the front row. And like every, every third, every, between every song when there was a pause, Anthony Owen was going, and who's behind us? And we all turned around and went, everyone. He was so happy that night. 
he was so happy that night. Anthony, is a, uh, I'm sure many of you know, he, he made the decision to solve his... He found a permanent solution to impermanent problems, and it was very, very sad about two years ago. About two years ago next month, so it's nice to be thinking about him in, in, in nice ways right now, you know. He was so happy that night, rocking out. And uh, we were twerps, you know what I mean? He had a side parting and a tie on. <laughs> he used to wear a tie at all times. I don't know what I was wearing. Something cool. Something cool and appropriate is what I was wearing. And then Mark Paul, again, Mark Paul, uh, all business shirt, tie, uh, those green mouflon jackets that were the style at the time. I mean, look ridiculous now, but at the time was the cutting edge. Because, you know, seasons change. All three of us down the front, you could not find three less meatloaf-looking meatloaf fans. Everyone else has got the T-shirts, long hair, all the rock and roll. And there's us three down the front. Yeah, rock and roll. Like a bat out of hell. He was, doing this, he was doing this bit of meatloaf shtick as he was playing. He'd like constantly be flicking his um, his guitar picks into the audience and people were catching them. Meatloaf souvenirs. Like a kind of guitar pick Santa giving out treats. God, he was brilliant. I remember how it opened. The sort of dust sheet was down with the cover of, um, what was the album? It wasn't, it was When the Rubber Meets the Road, that album. Um, what was it called? It wasn't a bad, it was one, because he did three bad out of hells. It wasn't one of those. It was the one... Welcome to the Neighbourhood, I think it was called. And um, it was that album cover. And then it started with um, this piano. Do, 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 do. And you heard his voice before he came on. Somewhere some girl's crazy and some boys have of his head. Ah! Crowd's gone mad. And the lights changed. Now we can see him and the band in silhouette on this backdrop. Somewhere some girl's crazy. Third cheer. Then the music kicked in proper. Another screens drop. There he is, meatloaf as close as the wall I'm looking at now. As I record this podcast. Ay, what an artist. What a performer. What a I just I love the fact he did whatever he wanted. He acted, he sang. It was, you know, the complete works. It was the complete thing, wasn't it, with him? There was no um, you know. Just brilliant. Rocky Horror Show. Everyone forgets he's in the original production of that. He's on the original cast, not even the film, the original cast recording from before the film. He's on that, doing Eddie. Fight Club. Jesus, what a legacy. My brother met him. My brother actually met him. Um, I'm not, I, I forget the it was a signing or something, but my brother met him and has actually, actually had an exchange with him. Um, which is his story to tell, and I'm sure he will if you tune into the little telly upstairs on uh, Instagram. Some cracking content there. If you like this, you'll love that. So Meatloaf is gone. God bless you. Tonight I raise a glass. Still beating. Still beating. Oh, great tunes. And speaking of great tunes, something else that dropped this week is the first, uh, your first taste of the score to the Batman which has gotten me all kinds of excited, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not going to lie to you. It's no secret that Buckler's a Bat fan. But um, the more that comes out for the Batman, the more interested I am. Because I was a, I'm was i very much of the Nolan school. That, that's my, the trilogy. That's the Bat trilogy. And so far, that's the... That's the... That's the um, what's that word? The thing you've got to cross. The bar. That's the bar you've got to clear. The Christopher Nolan trilogy. You know, no, just uh, much as I mean, I love, and I, this is the thing, I love Keaton. 
I love Keaton and I'm so excited for the return of Keaton. And we'll probably get into that when that draws closer. Uh, but I'm not, I'm a, I'm a massive fan of Tim Burton's first effort, but they never felt like real Batman to me. It felt like Tim Burton's Batman. It wasn't the Batman in my heart. It was still great Batman. And at the time it was, it was the Batman. But then Nolan, the Christopher Nolan films, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises. That's my Batman. I'm not going to lie to you. There he is. Christian Bale, I even even the Bat Voice, which I know grates on some people, I still like it. The the Bale Bat Voice. Where's the trigger man? Oh my god. I don't know, I swear to God. Swear to me. Mixing up two quotes there. One from the first half of that quote came from The Dark Knight Rises, but the second half came from Batman Begins. I'm not afraid to do a bat remix. And then of course Batfleck comes along, which it Arguably the best Batman in the worst Batman films. In the humble opinion of your podcaster, because he, that's how I want Batman to look. That's how I want Batman to move. That's how I want Batman to sound. Everything about it I loved. But the films, ugh, I, I don't need to see fat Batman lying in the grass complaining about his bad back. You know, I, that, and, that, and Batman versus Superman is just hateful. A hateful film. I've only watched 17 times because it's still the bat. You know what I mean? I'll still watch it. But, but you know, back to the music, back to the plot of this week's episode, that music I've just heard. Now, I was excited enough already. And, I'm, and I was open to the idea of Robert Patterson. Not completely. The initial reaction to that casting choice was, what? But, you know, it's grown on me over time. And I haven't seen him perform in stuff out. Because, you know, he's not an actor that I follow. And then... Because he's now the bat, my interest is sparked. And I've gone down a, a Batterson rabbit hole and seen a few of his other performances. And he's got he's got chops. And he's worked out. And I believe he will be good. And from what I've seen in the trailers. But the music, man, for the first time. I mean, I was pleased. I was hoping it was going to be sort of that... that Because it's such a great theme. That appears in the first couple of trailers. I was thinking, but sometimes trailer music, there's some malarkey. You don't hear the trailer tune in the actual film. I'm talking to you, Rogue One. You know, you don't get that. You get that, an epic version of a track uh, uh, that appears in the trailer and then cut to the film. There's no sign of it. And it's like, oh, bloody hell, that was much better than what you went with. You know, thanks, Hans Zimmer, for the Dune tease with uh, Eclipse. That epic version of Eclipse that he did. Where's that in the film? Nowhere to be found. But this has uh, not done that. That That is the thing. Now straight away, the fact that I can do that. The fact that I can do that right now. You tell me what Batflex's Batman theme is. Hum it for me right now, if you can. Batflex's Batman theme. The Batman theme from Batman vs Superman and Justice League. You can't. You can't, because it doesn't exist. There is no... It's just a mishmash of noise. I could do Adam West's Batman theme. Batman! I could do Tim Burton's Batman theme. And wasn't that a soundtrack for the adolescents? 
I can do you Christopher Nolan's Batman theme, Hans Zimmer. And that's a theme tune that lets you know that this Batman can smack you around. If, do you know what I mean? This is a Batman that can throw a puck. Then this is a... A relentless Batman is coming. Where's the trigger man? Batflex theme can't do it. There is no Batman theme. This Batman's got a theme. It's like a terrible thought when you're listening to it. You could imagine him. This is a Batman of the shadows. Is he there? Is he not? It sort of fits in with the whole motif. I'm told it's going to be basically a horror film with Batman as the unstoppable monster. All that's sexy. But you, know, you could also feel the detective element as well. This is a Batman who's going to take his time. Dun, slow burn Batman as opposed to smashing shit down. Smashing through walls. Packing a gun like Batfleck did. Who gives Batman a gun? How hard is it? No guns, no killing. How hard is it? He's got two rules. No guns, no killing. Restore the Snyderverse. No, don't. Restore parts of it. But also other parts. Fix the Snyderverse. Which apparently Flashpoint's going to do. Or the, the Flash film that's based on Flashpoint. It's not called Flashpoint. It's called The Flash. But it's based on Flashpoint. Let's not get into the nitty gritties of that. Boom, 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 boom. See, I've had that on the old soundtrack. That's been my workout music for the day. I've done done my yoga and then my kung fu to that. That was boom, boom, boom. moving really slow. Kind of like, you know, getting in that Batman frame of mind. It's a great theme is what I'm saying. And you're fantasising what's happening while you're listening to it. Oh, where's that going to go? Fantasising about what's he going to be doing when that's playing. Fantastic shoot. And it's out soon, 42 days. I was very much, when, when they announced it, I was very much sitting there doing the old... Oh, it's too soon after Christopher Nolan's efforts. It's too soon. I want more time. I want a more of a reset before I get a new Batman. Give it a few years. Batfleck was only last week. Batfleck's still around. You know, Justice League, the Snyder Cut came out last year and Bat it's going to appear again in The Flash. With Michael Keaton as re returning as his Batman. We need to, we need to re give it a time to reset now. I'm literally like, come on, mate. I mean, it's been as long as it's been between Batfleck and Adam West now. Let's get it out. I think that the pandemic may have served it well. Those two years they couldn't release it. I think because it was supposed to be out a year ago, I think. But they had to shut down shooting, obviously, and then they had to shut. And then we all got shut down. Cinemas were there none. That's what I'm most pleased to be back in. I've been to the cinema again. Oh, the joy of sitting in that chair and nibbling popcorn as an excuse to take off the mask. Though I believe in masks, but don't burn all your content in one day, Buckles. So that's borderline. Memories of Meatloaf and the new Batman theme. That's where we're at today, my friends. Where will we be at tomorrow? Who knows? Taoism back in... I don't know. You'll have to come and find out, won't you? 
Thank you, by the way, new subscribers. Thank you for the people that have subscribed um, since I've been doing this. Um, every time I look, there's a few more of you, and I'm absolutely grateful to every single one of you. Um, you can f follow me on Instagram if you like. It's currently called The Danny Buckler Show on Instagram. That might change. The same handle for Twitter. You can contact me on there if you anything that you want to talk about. And uh, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Great to chat to you, my friends. Take care, and I will see you on the next Borderline. Ah!